can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My heart is receptive. My mind is ready. My ears are open. And I will not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you know I need all the help I can get. So in Jesus' name, help us all. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church. You may be seated. I'm very excited this morning because I, if you follow me on social media, you know, I just tell you all my business. And of course, I had an entire other message done, prepped and ready. And then around 3.30 this morning, it changed on me. So that was not exciting. I normally can do the last minute thing, but when I'm sleepy, then I was like, (laughs) no. So uh, it changed, but you know, we got to just trust God. We got to trust God. So instead of the message we had before, which they had all these cute graphics and everything for, we are going to just talk about best wishes today. Best wishes. I want to talk to us about expectation. Expectation, because you know, we came from a place last week where we sacrificed and we sowed and we gave out of our need or necessity or abundance or faith whatever it was we brought something to the lord and there's a period right after that and you may think that it's over okay i gave and it's done no it's just beginning and i want to stir up your expectation in god this morning i want to stir up an anticipation of things to come and i want to show you what can hinder your expectation and how to get that expectation out of the spirit realm into the natural realm amen amen so i don't know if you were like me when you were growing up you read fairy tales or you heard about them and they said they were fairy tales in other words something that would happen only in a fairy tale, but it would never happen in real life. So you think of Cinderella and the glass slipper and the pumpkin coming out of nowhere. And, you know, she's persecuted and she is ignored. And then she ends up marrying the prince, you know, and every little girl grows up and goes, Ooh, that's my dream. Then you realize that your prince leaves the socks on the floor. <laughs> your prince have to take a bath. And you're like, what happened to the Cinderella? dream but the thing is we think that it's only in fairy tales so when it comes to reality we don't expect god to do anything beyond our capacity to change our reality we limit him to our ability to change a circumstance hoping that he will come in hoping that he'll intervene but on the real we really believe that we don't want to ask him for too much We'd rather just ask him for just enough that I could probably help him along the way. You understand? But God changed my message this morning to tell you. He wants to dare you to ask him for your hidden wishes. Some, most times we ask God for something. I don't know if you do this. You ask God for something. But at the same time, you're really wishing you could ask him for something else. But you're kind of scared to ask him for your wish. So you ask him for what you can tolerate. Not what he can, but what you can based on the level or fear of your disappointment. So you already calculate 
how much disappointment you can handle. Therefore, you determine to God what you can ask. God, I don't want to ask for that kind of guy. Because I don't want to be disappointed if he leaves. So what I'll do is settle for just any kind of guy. Because more than likely he will stay. Because he'll see me as a catch. God wants me to stir you up this morning. I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's, it's okay. It's okay to expect God. It's okay. You know, the one thing that hinders your expectation from becoming materialized is disappointment. It's true. It's true. You know, a sacrifice, we heard uh, Pastor James say it, a sacrifice sets in motion the supernatural. But our lack of expectation stops it. And if you and I sacrifice and we did what we did last week and we don't expect anything from the principle that we put in place last week, all it will become was just you giving, but nothing ever will come back into your life. But God knows of the sacrifice you made. God knows of the gifts that you've given. And he has a plan on the backside. You see, we will receive according to the level of our expectation. God knows that. So he's, exp- he's encouraged us to expect. Let me give you some scriptures of expectation. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, It says, for I know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not evil. Plans to prosper you and give you a hope. Right there, God is saying, listen, I've got a plan. I am going to, I am going to put into place an expectation for you. I am going to build out something that you can see. I have a future for you. It's good for you. It's hopeful. It's strong. It's vibrant. That's my idea for you. Proverbs 23:18 says, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Surely. Proverbs 10:28 says this, the hope of the righteous, the hope of the righteous brings joy. So while we afraid to expect, while we nervous in expectation, you know, God builds this expectation over and over in his promises. He gives us something to look forward to. He gives us a picture, an idea of where he wants to take us. And it seems impossible to us, but Jesus would say to you with men, it's impossible, but with God. All things are possible. And, you know, sometimes we, we, we see those things and, and we don't grasp it. Because Benjamin Franklin says this. Blessed are they who expect nothing, for they will not be disappointed. <laughs> so, so it's not that we have, an ex- we have an expectation problem, meaning we expect too little, so we always meet it. We expect the less, so we always, we always get it. But you know, I, I, it's kind of like, you don't expect to make big money or money based on the education. So that supervisor job is there. But you will not apply for it because you don't want to hear no. You look at your credit score and see 559. And everybody's telling you, all you can do is get a cash car. But you saw that Honda... On the TV. And you just won't go for it because you keep thinking they're going to say no. If Pastor Eben had listened to the banks, the first bank, the second bank, the third bank, even the bank who said his car was too nice bank. If he had listened to the fifth bank, even the sixth bank, 
or the seventh bank would we be building today no you cannot accept what they say you have to accept ex- accept what you see and he saw us moving he saw us being in a building even if we couldn't see it even if we were struggling even if we couldn't understand it you know that is what he saw and because of what he saw he continued to pursue And some of you are being blinded by disappointment. You're stopping too short. You're giving up too quick. You're backing away too fast. And I want to encourage you here this morning. Where's my example person? With Liz, come up here. I want you to keep this, uh, pastor would say, take-home statement, right? Fear of disappointment cripples expectation. But expectation is a springboard of faith. Fear of disappointment will cripple your expectation. Don't do anything yet. But expectation is a springboard of faith. So disappointment is the one thing that can break your expectation. While determination is the one thing that can bring it to pass. All right. So here is Liz. Everybody say hi, Liz. Liz. You can step up into the light. It's a little bright. Okay. So Liz and I have here, we have two 16.9 full ounce bottles. 16.9 full ounce. Uh, Mr. Will, could you just lift this up for me? Tell me how heavy this is. Can you catch? Catch it if you can. Look at you. Can you handle that? Yeah? I mean, not going to stress you, not going to break your back, nothing like that. Pretty easy. You think it's easy, yeah? Okay, I just want to make sure you validate the weight. You know. All right, so Liz, is this, is this pretty light to you? How does that feel? Yeah? Get rid of it with the other hand. All right, so what I want you to do, Liz, is um, I want you to stand like this with your arms out. And when I tell you to stop, both of them, please, ma'am. Uh, no, not that way, this way, because this way, like this. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to the gym and they're trying to tell you to do shoulder, whatever. Not that I'm quite aware with that. Yeah, just stand right there for good measure. So this disappointment... <laughs> unresolved disappointment will make you offended. I'm going to take you to a story in the Bible. Offense makes you hold on too long to things you should let go of. So you end up living in a season that has passed and you've never, you don't enter into the one that's already here. Then it bothers you when people actually move on (laughs) because it shows that you're actually stuck. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to look for opportunities to hinder others instead of helping them. But your expectation cannot afford disappointment. So you back away. But you have to understand that God does not disappoint. So there's no fear. There's no reason to fear him disappointing because he is a faithful God even when we are unfaithful. Have I not said it? Will I not do it? My word goes forth. It will not return unto me void. So there is no disappointment. In God. Because what he says he will do. And who he says he is. He actually is. So turn with me to Matthew 26. Because I want to show you the cycle of disappointment. Because if you can catch this. Every time the enemy comes at you. Whether it's disappointment in yourself. Man I should have signed up for that. But I didn't. I should have have applied for that. But I didn't. I I shouldn't have said that. You know when you get into a fight with your husband. Or or your wife. And you go man I regret that. You don't necessarily have to wallow in that. Um, Keep them up please. Uh huh. Matthew 26, Matthew 26, 6 through 15. Matthew 26, that's in the New Testament. So we're going to go in here and I want to talk to you about Judas for a little bit. 
Judas for a little bit. And I know we hear about Judas and we always think about Judas as splitting the church and all that. We're not talking about that this morning. All right. So let's talk about this. Matthew 26. In the beginning of Matthew 26, Jesus prophesies that in a couple of days, he is going to be crucified. He tells, he tells all the disciples this, right? Now we're going to pick up verse 6. 26, 6. And it says here, uh, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at to eat. But when his disciples, plural, saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For the ointment might have been sold much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said, Why are you troubling the woman? For he has, she has done a good work. For you always have the poor with you, but with me you don't have always. For in that she did pour this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wherever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall this, this woman has done, be told from memorial. Then, here we go. Uh, we didn't ask you to shake or move. <laughs> what is going on, Liz? It's burning. <laughs> it's burning. But what I... Are we going to give Liz some mercy? Maybe we'll get uh, a strong man in the, in the afternoon to do it in the second service. But did the weight of the bottle change? What was the problem? She held on too long. She held on too long. And when you hold on to an unresolved disappointment, it becomes an offense. And when it becomes an offense, it becomes a weight. And when it becomes a weight, it becomes a sin. If you keep that weight too long, it can become a sin. So no, every weight is not a sin, but every sin will become a weight. So we'll see this process happening in Judas' life. life. Here we go. The disciples were, were upset and they wanted, you know, Jesus to use it for the poor. It always behooves me. It's a real word. How people can hate on other people's prosperity. When they don't do the actions required to receive it. It always baffles me how somebody can be irritated with someone else's success. As if the person was going to take all of their successful earnings and give it to you. As if it personally interrupted your life. So here it is that this woman, which was Lazarus' sister, was Mary. And the book of Luke confirms that. But Mary broke this alabaster box. And they got upset. But then it tells us who really got offended. You see, you can get upset, but you don't have to get offended. But someone got offended. Oh, disciples complained, but one person. Verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas, went to the chief priest right after. He didn't process that right. How is it that you go from Being one of the twelve, Jesus telling you he's going to be crucified. You rolling with Jesus, twelve deep. And then you come in here and you see it and everybody's complaining, but you're the only one that went to the chief priests. And it says here, and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him to you. And they covenanted with him. 
for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. He held on too long to something he should have let go. He should have trusted that Jesus knew better. He should have trusted. He already knew Jesus was the son of God. He was there when Peter revealed it. He was there when Jesus walked on water. He was there when he fed the 5,000. He was there when he healed the leper and he healed the blind man. And he, he got the lame man to walk and the woman with the issue of blood. He knew that this was heaven sent. This was the firstborn of all creation. This was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He knew who Jesus was. Yet in that moment, Jesus did not do what Judas wanted to do. Judas was the treasurer. Judas has his own idea how he would run that era of ministry. Judas had his own idea how he would go and approach that person. And when you and I have our own idea of how God's egg manifestation should be in our life, if we are not careful, we become disappointed with God. And when we become disappointed, we become disconnected. When we become disconnected, we will betray him. We won't, we won't be in the club before, but back, we're back in the club. We would not have been doing what we were doing before, cussing people out, but now we're doing it because we're disappointed that we did not get it in the time we wanted, how we wanted, not trusting in the sovereign God who says his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And all things must work together for your good. Because you are called according to my purpose. And because you love me. This is what we cannot lose sight of. An enemy is so slick and so smart. That what he will do is make you forget your sacrifice. And that there is a harvest coming. And in the period between sacrifice and harvest. There is a thing called waiting. And you get frustrated in the waiting. And become disappointed and disconnected. We see it even when Jesus, when God was trying to bless people. We know in the book of 2 Kings, there was a Shunammite woman. She had a sacrifice. She had seen Elisha pass through her hometown over and over. And she said, you know, it's not right for the man of God to come through here. And we should build him a place. We should hook him up. Give him a place to rest. That was a sacrifice. Just like your sacrifice. And she built it and, and the sacrifice got the attention of God. And the man of God came and said, uh, what can I do for her? What can I do for her? And his servant Gehazi said, listen, she don't have a son. And she, he goes to her and he says, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to prophesy a son. You're going to have a son. And she says, don't disappoint me. Don't, don't say that. Don't tap into what I want the most. And promise that to me, God, and then don't let me have it. I understand I value God still because I honored the man of God. And I, and, I, and I will worship her. And I understand the process of giving. And I understand the process of sacrifice. But there's that hidden wish on the inside. I didn't really tell anybody that after that miscarriage happened. And the second one happened. And then they told me my tubes are not working. I, I, I don't want you to tell me. About the hidden wish that I'm afraid to ask God for. I don't want you to disappoint me, man of God. Don't. And he said that by this time next year, you will have a son. God understands, but it doesn't change his promise for you. Disappointment will make you reject God's hope for you. Disappointment. Makes you give excuses for the lack of your elevation. In John 5, the man at the pool, 
he was crippled and you know jesus passed him and jesus was like what's up and he said well i want to get healed but every time i think about it um they walk over me and they don't take me and they 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 all these days they on the job they in my house they said all these days well how did you even get to the steps in the first place whoever hooked up your ride to there could hook your ride up into that and if they got you there couldn't you just scoot make your way <laughs> but when you're disappointed because you see everybody else moving on getting their healing jumping off swimming backstroke in the pool you'll be like i want to swim too and you see everybody progressing boy they got another car see happy people celebrate other people and happy people know where their hope lies in because he will not disappoint and so you see you want to be careful because it will give you excuses and instead of you moving forward you'll continue staying stuck and staying backwards saying yeah yeah you know because i didn't have enough time uh yeah because you know this well you know the doctor said i couldn't but who is he all he have is natural knowledge you got the word you got the word on your side. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I have known you. I, I, I knit you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that very well. L- listen, he tells you that he formed your bones. You're, the doctor who just checking you in your big rusty adult stage can tell you something more than the person who was putting you cell to cell, sinew to sinew, tissue to bone, neurological systems, digestive systems. You can't let him override the word of God in your life. Don't, don't have excuses. Don't have excuses. You have to let go of what you have held on to so you can let go of what God has for you. Ephesians 3.20, you know it. It says, no. I like that. No, today, word of truth. No, right now, right now, right now. To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, We can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. My expectation must be set by God's ability and not mine. You know, pastor tells you this story over and over, but I don't get to tell you. So I have my own version. You know, I saw this chocolate deliciousness one time. In Bible school, he was cute. He was very scrawny. I mean, he looked much better now. But even then, he was tall, dark, and handsome. 99% chocolate. My kind of flavor. He'd come on the campus, dressed to, I don't know where he was going, I always think he's in GQ. Always in a suit, we in the hot degrees. We just looking at him like, weirdo. But in my mind, I was going... Look at him just standing against the crowd. <laughs> oh. He did make my quiver liver. My liver quiver. He's doing it right now. Stop it. Stop looking at me. Making my, making my heart race and all that stuff. 
Well, after he gave me some trouble, because he didn't hear God as well. See, he hear God way more now, you know. <laughs> but then he was, you know, God was trying to talk to him. And he wasn't hearing that I was the best for him. I'm every woman. So <laughs> they gave me a little trouble. But I held my course, people. Held my course. I didn't go to him and tell him the Lord told me. I saw you in a vision. Me and you were in a tent in the middle of Africa. I didn't tell him all of that. I just said, God, if you can speak to me, you surely can speak to him. And at the 11th hour, say the 11th hour. And it was the 11th hour. Because on February 28th, 1994, I was going on a flight to South Africa to be a missionary forever. But on February 27th, at a dinner, he told me he found his wife. And I was like, that's awesome. Because I didn't think it was me no more. You understand? Because he had some people trying to hook him up. You understand? I knew I was the cutest. No, I mean, nobody could tell me nothing about that. Because I was cute-ish. I mean, I'm cuter now. Thank you for the improvements you've made in my life. Thank you. And I, I said, I said, oh, that's great. Who is she? Mm-hmm. And it was like you. I was like, what? what? So I went back to the Lord and I said, listen, Lord, I don't have time to play with this. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be saving the world for Jesus. And I don't want to be set back. I don't want to be tied down. And the Lord was like, okay, your little expectation is coming to pass and you're acting a fool. You better go to him tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. prayer because only he would pray in the dark. Only him. So I had to get up and we made a covenant. We said, Ruth 1, 17 to each other. Six months later, he said, let's get married. You know, I went to South Africa, came back. He asked me in the Winn-Dixie parking lot to get married. Was not my expectation. I'm just telling you, I'm still old at proper engagement. Um, anybody wants to recommend another place for him, that'd be great. So, in the middle of the Winn-Dixie parking lot, will you marry me? Woo, so enthusiastic. All right, yeah, sure, let's get married. Let's hook up. We don't have no money to get married. But we don't get married. And finally, he was, you know, the kind of guy he is. I, I mean, I didn't stress about it because I was just thinking, I'm getting married and it's through heaven. You know, that kind of thing, you know. I don't care. We could get married right there in the Windex and parking lot. But for him, he really wanted to do a wedding and really do a proper one, you know. And he wasn't working. He had been in Jamaica for two years living off his savings. And so when he did that, you know, he was stressing and God said to him, not according to your riches in glory, Edmund, but my riches in glory. And right there, the bar was lifted. Edmund didn't have to worry about how much money he had in savings. He didn't have to worry about how much money he could scoop up and work together. Because God said, is it going to, is your expectation going to be based on what you have or based on what I have? On your limitations or by limitlessness? 
Is it, is it, where is it going to be? And you know the story. A friend who is not related to me paid for our entire wedding. Over 300 people there. Tents everywhere with orchids fresh on top of the just sprinkled. Fresh flowers everywhere. A cake that was this tall and this wide. I had like so many bridesmaids and things and they picked me up in their Rolls Royce and they had me there and the prime minister was invited to my wedding and, and I had the best musicians that money could buy there and I walked down the aisle with no debt. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that somebody would just give you unrelated to you. Because when you lift your expectation from this small space and put it in heaven's hands, he will fill the gap and exceed what you could ever ask or imagine. But your imagination is important and your imagination can only go to the level of your expectation. So when God was talking to Abram in Genesis, he said, look at the sky. Can you count the number? That's what your seed shall be. And when he was looking um, in Moses and he said, listen, you see that red sea is nothing for me. I've got a rod. You can cross it with that. I'm giving you an expectation. I am with you. I am father with you. I am healer with you. I am provider with you. I am that I am that I am. What you need, I am with you. If I am with you, who can be against you? The last thing I want to tell you is the way to manifest your expectation, this expectation that God has in your life is through determination. You have got to be determined to hold on to the promises of God. You have to be determined to not hold on to disappointment, but hold on to destiny. You just got to switch what you're holding on to. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given. You see, he's setting it up, setting it up right there. If you ask me something, I'm going to give it to you. He confirms that in another gospel saying, if you ask me for bread, am I going to give you a stone? He says it in Jeremiah. (laughs) Ask me and I will answer you. He says it in Psalms. Ask me and I will give you the nations. God likes when we ask. It's not wrong to ask. And he says, if you ask, it shall be given. But if you ask, keep knocking. Knock. And it will be opened unto you. Seek. And you shall find. You see, I find that in the, in the book of, um, the book of Luke 18, there was a woman. She went to the door and started banging on the door. And she wanted that judge to get up. But she didn't stop knocking. Right above that in Luke, you know, it says about the the man who had a friend and he woke up at three o'clock in the morning and, you know, he came and said, hey, can I have some bread? And he said he didn't get out his bed because it was his friend. It says he got out his bed because the man wouldn't stop knocking. So you are some things that are in your life that God wants to give you and you cannot quit. You have to keep going. When we were getting pregnant... I had to keep going to pastor. Take the test. Take the test. Take the test. I wore him down. He took the test. 
that he wore me down. You know, keep believing, keep believing. I would cry. He's like, why are you crying? Didn't you believe? I said, I believe. But he goes, did you believe? I said, I mean, he goes, do you believe? I guess I didn't. I was hoping, but not believing. I had an expectation, but because of failed attempts and too much information, I was holding on to what the doctors were saying versus what he was saying. And Evan was standing there immovable, always abounding. I just remember coming to him with every reason. But babe, the doctor says we don't have enough sperm and my eggs are not coming out. And he'd say, how much sperm do we need? Don't we just need one? Why we need enough? And I would say, you don't understand. That's what the doctor says. And he would say, what I understand is God only need one. And I know I got one. I remember going into the doctor's office. And she's saying, well, you need to have, you know, the only option that one of the options you really need to consider is donor sperm. And whoa. He felt the same way. He didn't even move. He didn't even flinch. He just looked at her and he said, I tell you what, my faith will see you on the other side. We went to the other doctor and I, I remember sitting in there going, yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did they need? What did they need? And they said, well, you could do this procedure. It's called an exit procedure. And he said, well, why don't people do it? He said, it's very expensive. I said, how much is it? He said, $9,600, but it's not guaranteed because you know, with your mobility and so on and so on. He said, oh. And I said, yes, mm -hmm, let's pawn it all. Pawn it all. Pawn everything. Sell the house. Sell the cars. Let's move in a box. Let's do it. And he, again, with his immovable, you know, his name doesn't mean rock. Eben means stone. That thing will boulder you and hold you. And sometimes you just walk into it and be like. And he was in that doctor's office. And this was my last hope, you know. I didn't realize how low my expectations had become in the process of disappointment robbing me of a failed pregnancy test after a failed pregnancy test then finding out there is something wrong then having to fight that and he was getting the same information I was getting but he was not lowering his expectation but I was and he said to that doctor he said I'm going to give God that $9,600 and I'm going to trust him and I felt my world fell apart. Eben, how could you do this? How could you not let me try everything in our power to do it? And I came home crying and complaining. And you just have to live with him to know your tears do not move him. You could cry till blood is coming out your eyes. He will give you some tissue and tell you when you're ready to communicate. Holla back. I'm trying every manipulative tactic in the book. Where is me? If it's my dreams, you don't want to help me with my dreams. I'm trying everything. And I remember he just holy ghosted me in the house. Like he was the boss of me. And he turned and he said, sweet, you get into that bathroom and you do not come out until you believe. He says you up, you down, either you believe God or you don't believe God. But you don't come back out here another day complaining, 
You don't come out of a dollar day quitting. You believe God. Man, I went in that bathroom. And I said, God, I really don't believe. I set my expectations all in the doctors. I'm so sorry. And my hope was not in you. I'm in church. I'm hearing the same word y'all are hearing. About faith. That it cometh. But in that moment, when it was something personal to me, I was abandoning the teachings for what was taunting me. And I turned to natural wisdom. And I turned to my emotions. And I turned to my flesh. And I turned everywhere else. Until that day, he loved me enough to say, you got to believe. Reset your expectation. Reset your hope. Trust in the limitless God. And I came out that restroom, my eyes were puffy. And on the inside, I knew if I was 150 years old, that God would keep me alive until I got pregnant. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. I like, I can't explain how I knew, but I, ne- I came out believing. It was two weeks later, he honored his promise to God. And he gave $10,000 at a conference at New Light Church in Houston. It wasn't but maybe two weeks after that, I was pregnant. What held me up for five years? What held me up for four years? What held me up for three, two, even one year? It wasn't that God didn't have an expectation for me. It's mine was lower than his. I wanted a baby how I saw it would happen. I wanted it the way on my schedule. I had all these restrictions and all these priorities and all these ways. And God was saying, but if you could lift that and lift me up, I'll do it for you. So I'm asking you, I had to let go disappointment. I had to let go unbelief. I had to let go fear. What do you have to let go? You've given your sacrifice. Don't regret it. Things happen right the next day. Our car gets stolen. Do we regret our $25,000 vow? No. The enemy just comes to disappoint. But we look at that and go, you must got something better. This next car must have wings. But every head bowed and every eye closed. What do you need to let go? Let's not walk too much during this time. I want you to think about it.